What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Coming up on the show, recapping Tennessee's 28-16 win over the Rams. No, there are no fab refunds for those of you who spent a lot on Adrian Peterson. Though you did get a touchdown, that's good news. I'm going to tell you about a running back that has a, a stud running back, I should say. Maybe the best running back. Who has maybe the worst possible schedule for the fantasy playoffs. Weeks 15, 16, 17. Does it matter? And we've got buy low, sell high. We'll talk about the Eagles offense. We'll talk about Mike Williams. We got a lot. A ton of injury updates. Good news for James Robinson, Russell Wilson, etc. Chris Towers, good hey. afternoon. What's up? Not much, Adam. What's up with you? No, nothing. Nothing. You know, ho-hum Monday. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah, productive. Uh, let's go to Tennessee 28, Los Angeles 16. So we'll get uh, Jacob Gibbs on a little bit later. I know you guys have a lot of buy lows and sell highs to talk about. So I'm um, looking forward to hearing about that as we're, we're approaching the trade deadline. In a few of my leagues, it's this week. I think it should be more like Thanksgiving, especially with the longer season. But we still have a few more just, weeks to make trades. I just realized it passed in one of the leagues where I'm the commissioner. I guess I never updated it for the longer <laughs> season. And um, I should probably just extend that, right? <laughs> As long as everyone else is okay with it, I don't see why they wouldn't be. Yeah, I, I yeah. Oh, I know. It's the twenty eighth. Someone lied to me. Oh, it's Someone November twentieth. Yeah, you're good. That's when it should be, right around then. So Stafford rolled his ankle late in the game. Hopefully, he's fine. Didn't see anything about that. Tyler Higby almost touchdown. Robert Woods almost touchdown. But uh, give me your major takeaways as the Titans get a really impressive win over the Rams with. Gosh, I don't even remember how many total yards they have. Do you? It was like 190-something? I think they got over 200. All right, I'll, I'll check on that. Um, Yeah, I think the big takeaway for this one is, boy, they're really going to... Uh, they're going to need their defense to play as well as it did yesterday to have a chance if this is what the offense is going to look like with uh, without Derrick Henry because... They ran the ball 26 times and picked up 69 rushing yards, which, look, I know having an identity is important to a football team and all that, but like if this was a game where they actually needed to move the ball, they got the the one pick six and then the one interception that was returned inside the five. 
if they had actually needed to move the ball, this game would have gone very, very poorly for the Tennessee Titans based on how they played. And so hopefully they will, you know, lean into the pass a little bit more. It was nice to see Julio Jones got 75% of the snaps, but yeah, the big takeaway is this offense could be pretty bad unless they make some adjustments. Yeah, but I'm not worried about AJ Brown. I think that's the one guy that that you just definitely not. Yeah, keep in your lineup, and he could still be a stud. He got a ton of targets. He saw, from what I noticed, he saw a lot of Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey doesn't exactly shadow players, but he plays a lot of left cornerback, and mm-hmm. that's where AJ Brown was lining up a lot. So, um, f- you know, a, a bad game for him, but still great, great involvement. Four of the last five and, games, yeah. I think he's had nine or more targets. Yeah, Eleven targets. Like this is the thing to straight. keep in mind with wide receivers in general is that. Production comes and goes, you know, especially like with running backs, production is really strongly tied to opportunity with wide receivers. Opportunity is the baseline, but then there's a lot of fluctuation because it's more difficult to complete a pass than it is to hand the ball off, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's nine, nine or more targets in four straight games. So forget about AJ Brown. He's good. Julio Jones. I don't know if that was encouraging or not. And I I think it was. I think it was encouraging that he stayed healthy. That he played 75% of the snaps and didn't leave the game. That's where we are with, with Julio Jones right now. Right. Um, and yeah, I still believe as long as he's healthy, he's going to break out eventually. And hopefully, when the, you know, if and when the Titans stop running Adrian Peterson into the back of his offensive lineman, they will, uh, you know, throw a little bit more. Well, right. And, and I, I'm trying to, they had 194 total yards. You mentioned the pick six. The interception inside the five-yard line. I, I just want to see how many plays they ran because I, I think they ran a very, very low amount of plays for a team that came into the game uh, with the second most plays in it was football. Fifty-four. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really oh, 50, fifty-six. Sorry, very, very low amount of plays. So yes. you know, normally I think you'll see more pass attempts, but you are seeing with Tannehill after he came out. Look here, here's pass attempts in nine games: 35, 40, 27, 49. You get 35 or more in three of the first four games of the year. Mm-hmm. Start to think, hey, look, they they got Julio Jones. They throw in a Derrick Henry a little bit. Maybe this their is... defense was playing awful, yeah. which has turned around. Right, yeah. And now 22, 29, 27, 33, 27 in his last five games. So that's <laughs> that's obviously not a lot of pass attempts. And um I, you know, this was a weird game because they just ran so few plays and they're not going to be able to run the balls efficiently. That's, that's the, the, the key here. So we'll see what happens with Julio mm-hmm. Jones, but I, I wouldn't cut him. I know people might be asking that, not dropping him. Who's the best running back going forward? Deontay Foreman, I think, was the only one who showed a little bit of juice. I mean, Peterson, I thought, looked really bad, but also a tough matchup and an even tougher one in Week 10 with the Saints. But who's the best Titans running back going forward? I think it'll probably be either Peterson or McNichols. I have a hard time. Like maybe they'll just give Foreman more carries than Peterson, but I have a hard time seeing that being the case. So I would guess it'll either be Peterson or Foreman, and it'll depend each week on whether Peterson finds the end zone. If he does, he'll be the best. If not, McNichols will be. But I'm pretty pessimistic about this backfield all around. And any takeaways from the Rams side of the ball? Uh, one thing I did want to note was, well, one, Robert Woods, uh, it was nice to see him get 10 targets, I believe in this one. Yeah. Um, seven catches, 98 yards on 10 targets. Yeah. Led the team in, in receiving. He's been so up and down this season. I mean, like last week he had two touchdowns, but he only had 55 yards total, including 33 on, in the passing game, I believe. So it was nice to see him have a big game. And then 
Darrell Henderson left with an ankle injury in this one. He was able to return, but we'll see you know, whether that's an issue moving forward. But that explains why he only had 11 carries when he's been someone who you know, typically has been really dominating the work. But I just keep wondering if at some point they're going to have to limit Daryl Henderson's workload. They've used him. I mean, when he's the games that he's been healthy and hasn't left with injury, he's basically been right there with anyone south of Najee Harris in terms of snap share. He's been right around 80%. He's at 60% in the last two weeks. And I wonder if that's going to be uh, a feature moving forward. Yeah. Well, you had Michelle on the field at the for the last possession. Michelle had seven carries. He had four of them on the final possession yeah. of the game, plus the receiving touchdown. It was a perfect way to end one of the terrible all-time NFL Sundays. Yeah, it was With a really Sony bad. Michelle catching a touchdown. It was just a, a kind of a boring. I mean, I hate to put down fantasy football, but it just was a boring. Ho hum. That's the second time I said ho hum, but it wasn't even ho hum. It was boring, uneventful, and nothing. And not that much changed in fantasy yeah, this week. And I think maybe it says something about the quality of my leagues that I had one of my best weeks of the season. Went either ten and four or eleven and three in my fourteen leagues. I uh, yeah. I, I uh, well, good job. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, no, it makes me a little concerned. Every, all the good offenses were terrible this week, and I, my teams were great. <laughs> um, Van, Van Jefferson's interesting. He's 57% rostered. He had seven targets, so now he has five games this year and three overall with six to seven targets. If you get six to seven targets in this offense, you could do something with it. In those five games with six to seven targets, he's had three good ones. Uh, you know, no great ones really, but yeah, but yeah, actually had one great one with 21 PPR fantasy points. But you know, Jefferson is someone that you could plug in there and just as a as kind of a desperation number three receiver. And that's I don't think we need to spend much more time on this game. We'll talk more about the no, buy, like, buy lows and sell highs and stuff. It's weird how bad Tyler Higby has been given the role he has in the offense. Um, he's actually got a career or his lowest yards per target since 2017 despite obviously getting an upgrade at quarterback. Uh, it's been it's been a disappointing season for him. His average depth of target is 4.9 yards, which is unbelievably low. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's kind of in that top 12 tight end conversation by default at this point, but even then, he is on pace for like 600 yards and four touchdowns. Like, he's on pace to basically be worse than the previous two seasons. Yeah, the thing though with Higby is that he he had a touchdown in this game. He had stepped out of bounds before making the catch just barely. It was a really lengthy review. And if you're <clears> going <throat> to go with a touchdown or bust tight end, you might as well go with one on a team that throws a ton of touchdowns and a guy who's... Is he leading all tight ends? in? He, I think he might be leading all tight ends in red zone and green zone targets. That's um, wild. I mean, he's among the leaders. Uh, in yeah. the NFL. So let me see. I actually have the page right here. Cup one. Pit, so green zone targets inside the 10. Cup, Pittman, Cobb, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby. The Rams have three players in the top five <laughs> in green zone targets. Cup, Woods, and Higby. And the only others who aren't Rams are Michael Pittman and Randall Cobb. Wow. Uh, so that's wild. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, he is what he is. He's not going to get you a ton of yards. Okay. Yep. Let's go on to the news and notes and also our CBSSports.com fantasy football today newsletter. Go to CBSSports.com slash newsletters. Subscribe to the FFT newsletter from Chris Towers to your inbox every day, eight a week. 
Great stuff. Trade, I've start, heard, I've heard good things. It's very good. It's really helpful. And, um, you know, you get some of Dave's content, Jamie's content, Heath's content. You get Chris's rankings. It's really, it's a great tool and it's free. So cbsports.com slash newsletters. David Montgomery is expected to be activated tonight against the Steelers. If you have both Bears running backs, who are you starting? Montgomery, I think. I do worry that, like, if Damian Williams wasn't injured, would David Montgomery be coming off? And maybe he's just a backup. But I would think if he's healthy enough to play, they're going to use him as their number one running back. Ezekiel Elliott, so he has this knee issue that he's been dealing with for a few weeks now. And the last two games haven't really been very good for him. This is probably not one of those things you're ever going to do anything with because you're not going to sit him, but yeah, you should know. Yeah, and this was a bruised knee. I didn't know that it was related to the previous issue. Um, but yeah, like I think if he's healthy, he's fine. And this was a weird game for Dallas' offense because they really didn't do anything for the first three quarters. They had like 120 yards of offense in the first three quarters or something like that. Um No, no Tyron so, Smith. I don't know. I'm not sure if that was why, but they've struggled yeah, I mean, in the past without him. No Tyron Smith, Dak Prescott, maybe not 100%. CeeDee Lamb, maybe not 100%. Amari Cooper, maybe not 100%. Ezekiel Elliott, maybe not 100%. You know, He's I, definitely I not 100%. He, he admitted it himself. He said, yeah. Zeke said, something I've been dealing with the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's a good excuse, I feel like, for why their offense wasn't great. Just hopefully it stops being an issue. Uh, Trevor Lawrence sprained his ankle. He was able to come back, but we can't call him 100% for this week at the Colts. Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, they're dinged up. Haven't seen anything on them. They're probably fine. Uh, but the ones we're keeping an eye on this week are Zach Moss with a concussion, Ramondre Stevenson, and Damian Harris. And then yeah, Chase, they both left with head injuries. Chase Edmonds is going to probably go on IR. He has a high ankle sprain. So yeah. it's all James Conner for Carolina, who's been very good against running backs, but still. Uh, it's, I mean, the matchups don't even matter, right? Carolina, Seattle, then a bye, then Chicago. That's the yeah, he's, upcoming schedule. Th- what he showed as a pass catcher was really impressive, I thought. That, that's that's the key because you know he'll get the carries, he'll get the goal line work. We know that. But if he's also going to be targeted five times a game like Chase Edmonds mostly was, then that could make James Conner a top 15 back at the worst. Kyler Murray uncertain for this week, but Russell Wilson is coming back this week at Green Bay, Woo. hopefully to face off against Aaron Rodgers, who's eligible to come back Saturday. And if he does come back Saturday, if he does clear the protocol, he will play. Matt LaFleur doesn't care when he comes back. If he's cleared, he'll play. Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski uncertain. I wouldn't count on Antonio Brown. He's still in a walking boot. Will yeah. Fuller out. Preston Williams going to play this week, Thursday against Baltimore. We don't know about Tua yet. Um, we don't know about Sam Darnold. Matt Rule not committing to Sam Darnold. Tarod well, Taylor shoulder injury too. Yeah, he, he right. went for an MRI, I believe, on the shoulder. I think he said if he's healthy, he's not committing to him. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Tarod Taylor is going to start for Houston. Uh, they're going into a bye, but he's their starter. Uh, T.Y. Hilton still in the concussion protocol. Mentioned this yesterday, but two offensive line injuries for the Broncos, who were already playing without their left tackle, and they still ran all over the Cowboys. They lost their left, their right tackle, and a guard yesterday. Uh, Patrick Sertan has a sprained knee, so that's not a long-term injury. We'll see if he can make it back for the Eagles. The Broncos have a Week 10 bye. No, no, no. We're going into Week 10. They have a Week 11 bye. Uh, did you see the Mac Jones ankle thing on Brian Burns? Um, yeah. It looked dirty. Yeah. I, like, a bad look. I don't, I, I don't know what's in his heart, but it, 
it looked what like like what a dirty play by a quarterback in that situation would look like. I don't know. I, I've never seen a guy like he Burns wasn't even really around the ball at that point, you know, and, and he's just yanking on the guy. Yeah, I mean, I, leg, I think what he was he fumbled, he knew he fumbled the ball and he was just right. trying to keep him from jumping on the ball. I think right, right, right. But then he kind of twists and that's where yeah. Uh yeah, right. Exactly. Don't do that. Just don't do that. So just, the Bills for quarterbacks. The Bills really stunk yesterday. Two things to to note: they were playing without two line, two starters on their offensive line, mm-hmm. and Joe Biscaglia of the Athletic said that they are getting the Chiefs' treatment, which is mm-hmm. the deep safeties take away the big play defense. It's so weird that this because like there was the Saints game against Aaron Rodgers where he really struggled with that same defensive look. The Saints mostly played a uh, cover two defense. It's it's really weird that like, is this really like how you slow down the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Is you just play like a defense that's been around for thirty years that like isn't yeah. particularly complicated? Well, it's, that's what I was saying. It's to Heath. strange. It's like this is not the first time that teams try to do this to the Chiefs. They faced yeah. the. I'm pretty sure that they faced the most two high safeties in the NFL last year. It's just working now. And yeah. they're they're Hyper trying. Hyper just isn't playing well. Josh Allen just didn't play well yesterday. Like, yeah, that's, he was he wasn't good. That, that's the long and short of it. Is that Josh Allen hasn't been as good as he was last season. That's not a knock on Josh Allen. He nearly won MVP or was a very strong candidate. And you know if he's like the fifth best quarterback in the NFL or or whatever instead of the second or whatever he was last season, you know that offense is going to be a little worse. Um, Mahomes has to play better. Allen has to play better than he did. But given their track records, I have to believe they will. Like, I can't believe that Patrick Mahomes is just going to continue to play this poorly. Mahomes threw for 166 yards. That is a career low in any game. He did not leave with an injury. I'm going to give just yep. a few more big defensive notes. Uh, Buffalo starting cornerback, Teron Johnson. He usually plays every snap. He left with a concussion. C.J. Gardner-Johnson left with a leg injury. Saints cornerback, the one who fought Michael Thomas. Greedy Williams for the Browns. He left with a shoulder injury. Uh, Harrison Smith is probably going to miss next week's game. He also missed yesterday's game. That's Minnesota starting safety. Baltimore, this is a big one. Baltimore starting safety to Sean Elliott out for the season with a torn pec. He missed two games earlier this year. One game was against the Broncos where Drew Locke came in for Bridgewater, so they did fine there. The other game, Carson Wentz threw for 400 yards. Uh, Eric Stokes, starting cornerback for the Packers. They don't need any more injuries in their secondary. He left with a knee injury in the first quarter. And there are more things, but... You know what? You're probably bored. So let's get to the fun stuff and let's get Jacob Gibbs in here. Jacob Whoa. Gibbs, they're going to try you out at uh, at quarterback for the Chiefs. You going in for the tryouts? They Don't disrespect Patrick They Mons, need an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be fine. All right. Do all they right. still have Chad Henney, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. He's the backup. Yes, they do. Ross. They do. Yeah. He says we're going to be and fine, is, folks. Like, 37th year. But you know what? This since we are talking a little trade on here, do you have just kind of blind faith in the Chiefs to figure it out, uh, uh, Gibbs? Gibbsy? I guess you can call it blind. It's not like <laughs> <laughs> we've seen them, you know, be the best offense in like maybe NFL history over the past few years. I guess if you want to call that blind. unwavering, yeah, yeah. unwavering faith. It's, yeah, it's kind of like how like when you go to sleep, you recently <laughs> had eyesight. You currently do not. You yeah. are technically blind. You cannot see wow. anything. Huh. But you very recently could, 
Are yeah, these... I still have blind faith in. I guess. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, look, it's it's a question worth asking right now. They're going to be they're on their third <laughs> string right tackle, by the way, by the end of yesterday's game. Hopefully, yeah. they get Mike Remmers they're, back soon. They're averaging seventeen point five points per game over the last five. That's it's not great. Wild. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a, it's not. I don't think we can just dismiss it anymore. Yeah. I've done too much of that, and <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the the thing is with them is they don't have that many guys that are that you start. Right? It's right. It's not like the Bucks where you got three yeah. receivers. You're starting Hill. You're starting Always. Kelsey. Always. And Mahomes is really the question. And then like Daryl or whoever's the running back, I guess will be more interesting when Clyde gets back. But Mahomes yeah. is the only guy right now that it's really interesting. And I'm I I'm still starting him. I have to. Yeah, he like, said it just, well. You don't. You're not going to put any streamers over him. So you'd have to have right. another top twelve guy to consider it. I would feel really stupid to have, like, it would just, it would seem like it's like Christian McCaffrey this week. He only played 54% of the snaps or whatever it was. And we knew he was going to be limited. I would have felt dumb having Christian McCaffrey on my bench, even knowing that it may not have been 100% the right move, or there may have been reasons to sit him. It's just like, personally, I cannot bring myself to do that. Maybe that's a flaw in my decision-making process, but no, I, I, uh, man, unless I have, like, who could you possibly have with Patrick Mahomes? If you have Derek Carr, yeah, I started Mahomes. They're facing each other. I think he has, I think he has, he has either really good history or really bad history. I think he has great history against the Chiefs. Carr, um, I think that I think it's Carver. Ah, whatever. Um, He's got pretty good numbers lately. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's get to our five big topics. First one comes from Randy Mall 04. What do we do with now the two examples he gives I think are, are pretty different, but what do we do with roster teases? Players who flash the ability to be consistent contributors or breakouts, but then let us down the moment we rely on them. And the examples that Randy gave were Mike Williams and Kadarius Tony. And they were very so different. I, I think that's unfair to Mike Williams. Yeah, I, I but but I mean he's still f- lumping him in with Tony's unfair, sure. but he still fits the description of the question. Yeah. People finally bought in, myself included, and he's been horrible four of the last five games. I mean, horrible four of the last five games. So, mm-hmm. um, you yeah, know, he's he's the first guy we should talk about, and then, you know, there are other players uh, that fit this description. But what do you think about Mike Williams? So he's gone back to being used more like he was prior to this season. The last five games, I think four of them, he has four or fewer, five or fewer targets, and his average depth of target, which was below 10 yards in each of the first three games, is 14.4 over his last five games. And so that's, I think, where the this the issue is coming from with Mike Williams. When you work more downfield, you tend to see fewer targets. It's not true for everyone, but generally speaking, there's lower target share for guys who work down the field. And that's what we're seeing with Mike Williams. He just hasn't been as much of a focal point. They've stopped using him as that legitimate number one alpha type wide receiver like they were early on. And it just, it makes it really hard to trust him. I think he's back in the, the boomer bust discussion until we see some change in his usage. And he's had a really tough schedule too. If you look at the four games that he's struggled, he's faced the Raider, the Raiders and the Eagles who are top five against wide receivers, Mm -hmm. the Patriots who locked down number ones and the Ravens. So that's been a factor too. And he's been dealing with a knee injury. Yeah, and he has been dealing with a knee process. injury. Yeah, he's been limited in practice at times. He missed. Did he miss one game? No. 
he didn't miss one game, but he was doubtful or questionable and didn't practice most of that week. So I think that's part partially a problem for him as well. Yeah, I, I said that. I know you, you weren't on it. But I said that on yesterday's show because uh, Charles Davis, the broadcaster, actually mentioned it, that he's been playing with a knee injury. They haven't really talked about mm-hmm. it much. Um, I, who else? I, is there a more general discussion here about buy, when to buy into a player? And understand that in fantasy, you know, <laughs> you're going to be wrong a lot. You're going to be right a lot. So mm-hmm. like, like, I don't think anybody here on this show ever bought into Sam Darnold even though he threw for about 300 yards in each of his first thought, four games. I thought he was better. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't he see this be a collapse. disaster. Yeah. No, I saw a great tweet someone sent me with, uh, it was like Scooby-Doo, and they apprehended, and it was Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah. And then they pulled that. Adam Gase's mask off, and it was Sam Darnold. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Jacob, uh, fantasy teases. Your th- overall thoughts on this topic? I yeah, I think what you alluded to is maybe the best way to approach the question is it's like a, more of an overall discussion that needs to be had. Like we play a wildly unpredictable game here. You know, we're we're speculating on week to week outcomes that are really really unpredictable. There's going to be, I think, just seemingly random fluctuations on a week to week basis, even among like some of the most consistent and trustworthy players. So like. If you decide to start a tease, as Randy described it, I think you understand there's a certain amount of risk. Um, and when that player doesn't meet expectations, that's not them letting you down. I don't know why that refs me the wrong way, but I hear that a lot from fantasy players. It's just the nature of the game we're playing. Like they, they, Especially some of these more risky players, they have a really wide range of outcomes mm-hmm. and sometimes go the, the way that we think they're going to, and then sometimes they don't. And I think the week we're coming off really illustrates that perfectly. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I think the most important, like, don't take it personally. Definitely don't let it get in the way of the way you manage your team. Don't get reactionary to yeah. a player letting you down and just try to see the bigger picture. Remember that you are playing a weekly probability game. And I know that's not a super fun answer, but I think you really can give yourself a tangible edge just by simply removing personal bias and trying to stay objective in the way you value a player. So whatever that is for me, it's mostly based on data. Some people it's the eye test, whatever it is, if your process leads you to believe in a player, um, or a tease or whatever you have, I think you definitely should trust that over one, two, even three or four week sample size. So yeah. that's and, what I would and say. The thing that's hard about a player like Mike Williams, as opposed to Kadarius Tony, because Kadarius Tony, you, you can sort of understand what happened. The Giants just had a ton of injuries at wide receiver, and he got an opportunity to play a big role. And he did really, really well with that role. But, you know, he was playing in situations where they had to throw a lot and you know, he took advantage of it. But now that they're getting healthier, the, the opportunities haven't been there. They're not really healthier. That's seemingly banged up. That's the thing. That that that's why I'm so frustrated about Tony, is because two weeks ago, Galladay Galladay was out. Was Shepard out that game? Mm-hmm. Or did he get hurt in that game? He got hurt in that Shepherd game. Shepard got hurt in that game. Yeah. And then this week Shepard was out and Barkley has been out. And it's like mm-hmm. he's just not playing. You know, he apparently isn't very healthy right now because yeah. they're not using Tony. They're not using Galladay 50 to 60% of the snaps, 20 routes, you know, something like that, or maybe it was 30 mm-hmm. route, whatever. No, it's yeah. it was 20. You're not going to get it. So I, that was a problem for me. I, and he didn't yeah. play well. He didn't perform. And Daniel Jones, that's the other thing. I think that's a big part of it too. It's like for wide receivers, why I don't feel bad about buying into Mike Williams is, uh, yeah. I love the offense and I love Justin Herbert. Why I do feel bad about buying into Kadarius Tony is, Look how bad the Giants' offense has been. Yeah, it's it's pathetic for years. Uh, yeah, and and I bought into these three games where they looked really good and they were and they you know were clicking, 
Um, and then I feel the same way with DJ Moore. And I know, Chris, you have him as a buy low, and I could actually see that now because his value is tanking. But when we saw the first three games or four games of the year for DJ Moore, and you're buying into, oh, well, this is going to be the year where he's elite. Yeah. And Sam Darnold ruined, is ruining him. So I, I don't yeah. think we did a bad thing because Darnold was legitimately playing worse. It's just, I guess, now that, now that we're wrong, we've been wrong, I guess I'm not that surprised. Well, the, the reason why I think DJ Moore is a buy low is because as bad as I think Sam Darnold is, I don't know that he's that much worse than, I mean, Will Greer, I think, started a couple games for them in, in 2019, and Kyle Allen, I think, was, was the other primary starter. I, I just don't think he's worse than those guys, probably, maybe, hopefully. And so, like, we've seen DJ Moore be a must-start, not elite, but must-start fantasy wide receiver. He's still getting, you know, I think his target share is still over 30%. If not, it's really, really close. And he's had at least seven targets in every game. That's why I'm buying into DJ Moore. I'm not buying into DJ Moore because I think he's going to be the top six or seven guy that I thought he could be based on those early games, even right. though I, I do think he has that talent. Um, right. With Mike Williams, it's harder because they just – we're using him like a legitimate number one wide receiver, and now they're not. And so it's a question of will they use him as a legitimate number one wide receiver moving forward, or was that just the way the defenses were playing them? That's where things were, and now he's back to being the guy he was, or he's not healthy, or whatever the, whatever the case may be. It, it just it makes it harder to when it when it's a situation where it's not just a player's talent that's in question, it's just a choice that either he or the coaching staff or what have you is making that's what's really hard to predict yeah because yeah, and i'm with you on more we don't know what the coach what the the chargers coach is going to do yeah and i'm with you on dj Moore. i mean that's a great time to get him he, he, you know this is if we overreacted to his first four games let's let people overreact to his next four games he's yeah. better than this all right let's go to our next question here from thomas davis the eagles change in philosophy once miles sanders got injured what is his role when he comes back. Jacob, they have thrown 31 passes in their last two games. They faced two great matchups in terms of running. They got another one this week in Denver. Um, we think, anyway. Denver's been pretty bad lately. Pretty good yesterday, I guess. Uh, so what do you think about the Eagles' offense and Miles Sanders when he comes back? Yeah, there's no way to tell. I think the matchup um, factor is definitely something to consider. Like, is that why they're going more run-heavy? Or is it because, you know, Hurts has been inconsistent? Um, I'm really not sure, but if it is, if it's because Hurts, then I would assume they'll remain run heavy once Sanders returns. Um, so we could see a, uh, more volume for him than we saw previously. Um, I'm mostly interested to see if Boston Scott or Jordan Howard is going to be inactive once Sanders is back in the mix. Mm -hmm. um, if it's Howard, I would expect Sanders to basically play the role we saw with the potential for an increase in rushing volume because of what we've seen lately. But if Howard remains active and Scott is inactive, I think. I'd be pretty worried uh, for yeah. Sanders in in that scenario. I think we could see Sanders legitimately lose out on goal line work, uh, potentially even lose out on some early down work, um, just given how they've prioritized getting Howard the ball in those situations recently. Um, Howard has definitely been the preference winner on the goal line. So um, there's definitely a lot of variables here, but I think that that one in particular is something to keep an eye on. And if you have, I mean, maybe just once you see the first game, if if Howard is active but Sanders ends up playing well, that's a time to sell him, you know. But yeah, um, yeah. It's, I, I'm I'm looking forward to a third straight week of a an Eagles running back being the top running back on waivers. Personally, yeah, I think this is the week it's going to work out. Actually, no, I, I noticed one thing in this game. 
Boston Scott was on the field for 14 rush plays. He got the ball on 10 of them. Jordan Howard was on the field for 17 rush plays. He got the ball on all 17 of Mm. them. So what that tells me is given how often they run the read option, you know, that's kind of the primary way that they run the ball. I do wonder if it's just a a situation where Howard is benefiting from teams, not really taking the threat of him running seriously (laughs) and keying in on Jalen hurts. You know, when the, when the, the edge has to make the decision on the, on the, Um, I watched every carry he had. And I didn't think it was that I, he ran okay. up the middle maybe 13 times out of 17, and he had mm-hmm. pretty good holes. They, The offensive line, I mean, I'm sorry to say it. I'm sure you guys probably agree, but he did not do anything explosive oh, no, or exciting. And is if they play a competent run defense, I really don't think he's going to have this kind of success. Yeah. Um, he should no, not but be I, a threat. I think that explains at least some of why he got so many more carries than Boston Scott. Because Boston Scott did actually play more than yeah. Jordan Howard yesterday. Yeah, I, it, and it was it's really not, frustrating that Kenny Gainwell got the got a goal line. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's silly. <laughs> <laughs> His only carry, I think, maybe one of two. You know, honestly, I, I really think Devontae Smith. I think the passing game is more interesting here. You can't. You can't average 15 passes a game. It's just even Lamar no. Jackson was throwing 20 when at, at their worst. Uh, no, not at their worst. At their lowest uh, pass volume of the season, he yeah. was averaging like 20 a game. So I, as great as Devontae Smith was yesterday, he can't be reliable if they're running this kind of offense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost it's a pretty interesting comparison. If they get to the point where they're throwing 20 to 25 times a game, Smith and Goddard are like a poor man's version of Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews in that they're they probably are going to get such a big target share. Yeah, but on a unreliable offense. I don't know, Jacob. Would you trust Smith and Goddard going forward? Um, I don't know about trust. I, I, I'm sort of excited for both of them. Like you were just talking about, the the volume is super concentrated on those two right now. Um, since the Zach Ertz trade, um, and I think in two weeks we're really going to have an answer to like what is going on with Philly's approach in terms of their pass the run ratio because like if they keep running at this rate against the Saints then like it's legit this is what they're doing like nobody does that against the Saints one of the league's clearest uh, pass funnel defenses but yeah I mean Dallas Goddard has a freaking forty percent target share of the last two games yeah. like him and Devontae Smith have accounted for almost seventy percent of Philly's targets in the past two games yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, yeah, like if, if we see any uptick in, in their passing volume, then, yeah, I think there's reason to be excited about both of them. I don't know if I trust them, though. And that, that's the kind of thing that happens when teams throw the ball less. You, you tend to see fewer on high volume passing offenses. You tend to see fewer really high target share players because the ball tends to get spread around a little more. Um, but, yeah, like, like they're not going to keep running it this much because I think they've run the ball in like 35% of their play or throw the ball 35% of the time over the last two weeks. And like, I think the Titans at their lowest over the last couple of seasons, it was like 46% of their plays were pass plays. So there's going to be more passing volume moving forward. And I, I do think Goddard, I definitely trust partially. That's because he's a tight end who doesn't stink. And so He's a must-start tight end. And, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about him in a bit. You know, another problem is Jalen Hurts missed Goddard on a big play. Could have been a Mm 45-yard touchdown. Maybe more like a 35-yard catch. Depends if the safety makes a tackle. And he missed Devontae Smith in the end zone. I thought it was kind of a 
difficult throw to make, but everyone seems to think he should have made it. But but he that he's gonna miss guys. It's just that's happening. That's not changing anytime soon. All right, uh, let's take a quick break here. We got a couple more topics left, and it's just buy low, sell high. We'll tell you who we're looking at in trade when we come back on fantasy football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We're running out of time to make our buy lows, and I love buy low because this is the opportunity opportunity to get stars at discounts. It's really the best way to, to make a major, major upgrade to, upgrade to your team. Hopefully, those of you out there who uh, have been able to do it, I hope uh, it's worked out for you. Now, Jacob, give me some buy lows. So I talked about uh, Chase Claypool last week on Fantasy Pros as a buy low, and I think that still carries over, but it's possible by the time this recording is out that he has had a big game on Monday night. Um, but in case he doesn't, I think he's one of the best buy lows out there at any position. And the case is really simple. It's just math. Um, he is running a ton of routes. He ran more routes than Deontay last week. He played 97% of the snaps uh, in week eight, which is the highest we've ever seen from him in his career. I think he only has three games over 90%. Um, so this is really unusual for him, but I think it's something that could stick with Juju out. And so lots of routes plus a high target per route run rate equals lots of targets. And lots of targets for a player as efficient as Claypool should equal lots of fantasy points. Um, just real quick on the target per route run rate, he is 12th among qualified receivers in targets per route run um, since the start of 2020. He's ahead of guys like DeAndre Hopkins, um, some really, really good receivers, DJ Moore, uh, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin. So, like, if he is going to play this type of role going forward, I just, I mean, Obviously, we don't trust Pittsburgh's offense, but if he continues to run this type of route involvement, then I think he's definitely somebody who's undervalued right now. Because I think you can get him for cheap. Yeah. Well, I mean, where do you think people even value? It's him right a hard like thing to answer because I don't think anyone's making a trade before tonight. You know. Right. So. Yeah, but assuming nothing really changes tonight, assuming he just has the type of game we've been seeing from lately, he's like a wide receiver three for most people. Yeah, I, I think, think some probably. people will drop him. I, th- I think he'll be. I think he'll be looked at the way Juju was looked at. Where it's like, well, in a ten-team league, I guess you can drop him. That's what I think the perception will be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that myself. But he's been pretty awful the last two games, as I recall, right? Yeah, he hasn't put up big numbers. No. Uh, you want to rattle off a few more? Yeah, for sure. Uh, another second-year guy, Jerry Judy. Um, the ceiling is kind of limited for Judy because of the, the role he's playing. He's not very involved in the red zone. Um, obviously, the Broncos just don't provide provide a ton of scoring opportunities, even if he was. Um, mm-hmm. He's also seeing far fewer air yards than we saw last year. Um, but like in exchange for kind of a diminished ceiling projection, he's seen far more consistent target volume, um, and a much higher rate of catchable targets than did as a rookie. So I'm pretty excited about, um, the role we've seen from Judy. It's still a small sample size, but he's, his slot rate is up to 76% from 31% last year. His average depth of target is down from 13.5 to 8.6, which is a massive difference. 
Um, and as a result, he's been targeted on 26% of his routes, which is really, really exciting. That's up from 22% as a rookie. And given what we saw from in college, I think that it's possible that's sustainable if he can use to play the short yardage role. Um, they've got a decent upcoming schedule. They've got a lot of zone heavy matchups, which should favor Judy over Sutton and Tim Patrick, who have like some of the most wide discrepancies between their man zone splits of any players in the NFL. Um, so I would expect him to lead Denver targets from this point on. I think he's a borderline top 30 receiver most weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just pretty exciting. He hasn't put up big production yet, but like the targets we've seen have been exciting. And then Goddard, we've already talked about at length, but he's another guy I think you definitely should buy the on at this point. Okay, so that's uh, Claypool, Judy, Dallas, Goddard. Chris, uh, you had, I think you said Cortland Sutton uh, was a viable yeah. for you. Yeah, mostly because he's coming off you know, the two worst games of his season. He has six targets over the last two games, and then he has three catches. And I just, I think he'll be more involved in the offense than he has been. I, I don't think Jerry Judy coming back has completely cost him his role in the offense. He's still running uh, a high percentage of the routes. He's still playing a high percentage of the snaps. And so, Cortland Sutton, I, I think one thing that you have to keep in mind with a player like Cortland Sutton, because he plays so much of a downfield role and his you know average depth of target really hasn't changed the last two weeks, is that there are going to be not just inconsistencies in terms of performance. Like There's going to be games where he catches two out of five targets, like we've seen with Mike Williams. There are also going to be games where he just isn't open down the field or the quarterback doesn't see him. Those are lower percentage plays across the board, and you make up for it with them being more valuable targets down the field. And so I think there are just going to be stretches where Cortland Sutton doesn't have big numbers and then you know goes through stretches where he puts up big numbers. And I'm willing to buy low on him coming off you know the trough. Would that be the right? The 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 Nadir, the mm-hmm. whatever you would call that. Sure. Yeah. Nadir. Yeah, I philosophically I just I personally avoid those types of players. And what we're seeing from Bridgewater in his last three games are his three lowest intended air yards per pass attempt games. He's not mm-hmm. throwing the ball downfield nearly as much, and Sutton's been pretty bad the last three weeks. Uh, yeah. You're probably right that he will have some good games left, but I, I fear it's going to be one of those situations where he's on your bench for them, or maybe well, not yours because yeah. you have you trust those guys. Maybe well, you just have to look at your that, like, roster and say, if you can commit to like- starting him. I like to have a higher upside player like that as like my wide receiver three over like I would rather have Cortland Sutton than Hunter Renfro, which I don't know if that's obvious at this point, but I would not. I'd like rather have Renfro. So I think people it's, like Hunter Renfro weirdly. And I, it's like, no, I think right. I, I think it's a philosophical thing because I get it. I, I prefer the safety. I'd rather have him than Cole Beasley because Beasley has this like super low invisible floor. But Renfro is pretty much never going to give you less than 10 PPR points. And he's not uh, going to have the big games that Sutton will have. Yeah. But uh, no, I would take Renfro. Yeah, I'm cool with that. How about you, Gibbsy? Um, I have Sutton ranked higher rest of season than Renfro, but I think it is pretty close. And it depends on what you need, if you need more security or not. Um, one thing on Sutton, I think if you're going to buy low, I would maybe wait until after this week um, because mm-hmm. the Eagles like really suffocate deep passing. They have like the lowest um, opponent average depth of target. It's not very close. And so. Uh-huh say he has another really bad game and then you've got the narrative like Judy's back, Sutton has completely disappeared. You might be able to get him for free. Um, Going into his buy, he might get dropped because they have a buy. Going into the buy after that, yeah, Yeah. for sure. All right, Chris, uh, that was only one, so why don't you give me a few more? Um, Well, we talked about a couple of the guys already, Patrick Holmes, DJ Moore, um, Aaron Jones. I feel like they're, you know, I was on FFT earlier and 
there was a lot of talk of, well, A.J. Dillon's playing a bigger role and maybe that's hurting Aaron Jones. And I think that's possible, but I, I think it's probably like the last couple of weeks have been weird. They played without Devontae Adams and then they played without Aaron Rodgers. That offense just hasn't been as good. And I think Aaron Jones is someone that like you're never going to get huge volume from him. Uh, or well, I mean, I guess when Devontae Adams was out, he did have seven catches. But beyond that, usually he's not like a guy who you're expecting 300 touches from or 350 touches. He's a really efficient guy and this offense will be better than it has been the last few weeks. So I am, uh, I'm willing to buy law on Aaron Jones or someone's not viewing him as a top 12 wide or running back anymore. Cool. All right, let's go to our, by the way, my, one of my bylaws was Dallas Goddard. Um, I love David Montgomery's schedule after the buy. And I think he'll have a big finish. And I love, I, 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 no, I wouldn't say I love. I want to get your thoughts on Clyde Edwards Elair because if this trend continues where teams are really allowing the Chiefs to run, Chiefs running backs have had 21 to 22 carry, 20, no, 24 or more, 22 to 24 carries by Chiefs running backs in three of their last four games. The one exception was the Kansas City game where they had five carries. It was just uh, the worst game the Chiefs had played in forever. Titans game. <laughs> My bad. Titans game. What did I say? Ten, the Kansas City game. Yeah. yeah which Titans technically game. was. It was. Uh, yeah. Th- yeah. Uh, but they're running the ball a lot. And Daryl Williams is not a good running back. He's just he's a plotter, basically. So I don't know. I mean, you got the same concerns about Edward Zeller that you had before. Does he catch enough passes? Does he get the goal line work? But yeah. I do think he could be a pretty good running back just Running, running the ball efficiently. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry as it is. Um, mm-hmm. I, he might be the key to them in the second half of the year. You know, not to, you know what I mean. I, he might be a big factor for them. So he, I don't know what value people think he has. I would give up. Uh, what would I give up for him? I wouldn't give up James Conner. That's for sure. I would probably give up Miles Gaskin for him. I would definitely give up Miles Gaskin for him. We'll talk about Miles Gaskin in the next segment. Let's go. Sell high, Chris. You can lead it off. Miles Gaskin. <laughs> like I, hey, he's just what I feared happening before the season with him was what's happened to Mike Davis so far, which was that the only thing he really had going for him was, well, look how much work he's gonna get. He's guaranteed these touches because there's nobody else there. But nobody actually thought he was any good. And it turns out those touches weren't guaranteed because they found someone better, and that's not that hard to do at running back. I don't know if the Dolphins have anyone better than Miles Gaskin. They don't seem to think they do. But I think coming off a game where you got 20 carries, rushed for 34 yards, but scored a touchdown and had a pretty good fantasy game, I think that's a good opportunity to sell Miles Gaskin because the, the workload has been there the last three weeks. What happens if Malcolm Brown comes back? I think he... Is he eligible to come back this week? Did he go on IR? I think he's eligible to come back next week. Yeah. Right? So, like, if that happens and all of a sudden Miles Gaskin is back to playing 50% of the snaps and back to losing third down and and two-minute work and back to losing goal line work, all of a sudden, like, we saw how bad he can be for fantasy. So, I just – I think it's it's time to get out because I think the bottom could fall out at any point with Miles Gaskin. He just hasn't been good this season. Yeah, I – Okay, good. Look like at anything. He's <laughs> averaging 3.6 yards per carry and 4.1 yards per target. Those things can fluctuate a lot, and it's not just him. It's the offense around him. But Right, right. Like this, he was an undrafted free agent, or he was a sixth-round, seventh-round pick. Like, I think his time in Miami is done sooner than later. 
whether it's week 12 of this season or in the off season. Uh, anyone else for you, Chris? Then we'll go to Jacob. Yeah, Jordan Howard feels like an obvious one. I would say both both hunters, Hunter Renfro and Hunter Henry. Um, Hunter Henry's just scoring touchdowns, and maybe that'll continue. They seem to like him in the red zone, but he's not doing anything else. They are not throwing to their tight ends. I don't think if Johnny Smith misses a week, it's going to make Hunter Henry this must-start guy. I think he's a touchdown or bust guy. And Hunter Renfro... I just feel like there's a perception that he's more valuable than he is. Like it's fine to have a guy who can get five catches for 57 yards, but like he hasn't had more than 58 yards in all but two games this season. He hasn't had more than 57, I think in the last five. So I just like, cool. He's on pace for 95 catches and 950 yards and four touchdowns or six touchdowns, whatever it is, which is like, he might finish wide receiver 24, but I don't think he's a top 24 wide receiver. I think he's more like a, a high 30s or or lower guy. So I would say Hunter Renfro and Melvin Gordon. He's got four touchdowns over his last three games. He's played somewhat well, but I don't know. I just – like we know who he is. And coming off probably his best game of the season, I think it's a good opportunity to sell. All right, Jacob, who are you selling? Uh, so mine are all really good players. So I'm a little bit worried about it, but I think Alvin <laughs> Kamara, <laughs> I think Alvin Kamara um, yes. if you can get top three, top five running back value, then he's somebody you can consider selling. Um, his share of the backfield touches just kind of continues to creep downward. Uh, since Ingram has arrived, we also saw Taysom get a carry from inside the five. Um, that's something to watch out for going forward. It's just going to be annoying. Um, and then if Taysom starts at quarterback, uh, there are, you know, we've seen a pretty, Massive drop in targets per run for Kamara in the games played with Taysen. Of course, there's other contexts to consider. Their wide receiver uh, depth is significantly worse this year, so maybe it won't be as, as quite as drastic of a drop, but still I would expect him to be targeted less than we've seen. Um, there's just a lot of question marks uh, for somebody who's probably still considered a top three back because he's been playing well lately. So mm-hmm. um, with his backfield chairs already dropping, I think he's somebody – maybe get ahead of uh, the bad games that could be coming. You know, um, I, he's, he, I haven't run back six rest of the season. Just, yeah, he, like. he's looking more like in terms of his usage, what we'd seen the previous years yeah. before this year. The problem is he's in a much, worse, in a much worse offense yeah. with where they're not throwing the ball nearly as often. I guess his target share is probably pretty similar, but man, I Sean Payton has been infuriating this year with how he's handled that offense. Alvin Kamara didn't get a target until like four minutes into the third quarter yesterday. I think that, that should never. To happen. be fair, he had 19 carries in Week Eight against the best, you know, second best run defense in football mm-hmm. uh, in Tampa Bay. So I, I know based on this past week on Sunday, 13 carries, four catches. But the week before that, it was 19 carries. So um, I think the context. It's not like Jacob is saying he stinks. He has him as, as RB six. But if you can turn him into something that's, you know, what you would pay for one of the truly, truly elite players, then you do it. All right, who else? I do disagree uh, with this next one, Jacob. Joe Mixon. Sorry. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Joe Mixon, I have him at running back 13 rest of season. I think you could potentially get top eight, top 10 running back value for him. Um, he's been just scoring touchdowns like crazy. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable. He's also just still not getting passing downs. Um, those are going to Samaj P. Ryan, and it's just something they haven't really wanted to give to him all year. Um, he just doesn't project as a weekly top 10 option for me. I mean, if he keeps scoring two touchdowns every week, then he will be. Um, but if you can get that type of value for him, I, I would do it. The biggest thing for me is 
It's kind of like Mike Williams, where it's will the coaching staff continue to use him this way? He does have five targets or more in three of his last four games after going four straight games with two or fewer targets. So it's been super feast or famine with him, and that's what it comes down to. If he's not going to be, you know, at least three targets per game moving forward, then I don't think he's a top 12 running back. But if he's three, four, five targets per game, then I do think Joe Mixon is absolutely in the top eight to top 10 discussion. So it, it really comes down to that for me. And I just don't know. I hope they will continue to use him in the passing game. Recent signs are promising, but yeah, like when they, when they've been in situations where they've been in, you know, two minute drill situations, he's coming off the field for Samaje Piran. Samaje Piran is playing some third downs. He's playing most of the third downs. Mixing part of the upper place. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't think Samaj Piran's good, like in that role or just generally. I think Joe Mixon's perfectly capable of being used in that role, but they clearly don't want to. And so it's going to be somewhat game script dependent. But I think you guys are overthinking it. He's the lead running back on a really, really good offense. He's gonna score some touchdowns. He's gonna have games where he catches passes. They're throwing more than they used to, so that probably explains the catches in recent games. Yeah. I think you're overthinking. You don't trade. You can't trade Joe Mixon because you have to have running back depth, or you have to get a running back back and a but damn Adam, good one. You would have said that about Antonio Gibson coming into the season, right? I was the low guy on Antonio Gibson. Now I still you would have said that. What I would have said? What you would have said that you like you can't trade Antonio Gibson. You need to get another running back back. You can't sacrifice running back depth. All those things. Uh, well, I like so actually, this was a, a big debate for me. I, I did a Twitter poll, I remember in August, mm-hmm. uh, Mixon versus Gibson, and I was stunned that Gibson won. And I, I went wow. on a rant of, I was like, how could you take Gibson over Mixon? I, <laughs> I don't get it. And I, and I just didn't really, I, I confess that I thought Gibson was a, my opinion was 23rd, 24th, that swing pick. You pair him with McCaffrey, that kind of that's mm-hmm. where he should have been drafted. I was much higher on Mixon. So yeah. um I just think that the way I, running back think about the way running back is right now. Trading away it's been a really bad year for running backs. Yeah. And Henry's out and Barkley has been out and he's on a bye and he comes back and gets the Bucks his first week back. And Zeke's got this knee thing. It's like you just can't trade Joe Mixon unless you're in a perfect situation. Cause I think he's whether he's top Eight or ten or twelve, he's one of the sure. most valuable commodities in fantasy football. It's like you'd have to get a lot back. You'd have to get and regarding the back. Antonio Gibson Joe Mixon poll, you know what it is. It, it people is that Joe Mixon's been in the league for five years, so he's Joe Mixon. Antonio Gibson could be anything. He could even be Joe Mixon. No, it, it wasn't that. I mean, I think a lot of people are scorned lovers of Joe Mixon. They yes. they were very mad at him, and he right. gets he and gets hurt a lot. And now they're going to do that with Antonio Gibson next year. Yeah, but Gibson, Gibson to me never really proved much as a rusher, and and it was openly said that he wasn't a complete running back yet. It just didn't make any sense to me. All right, anyway, um, so that's two for you, Kamara, Mixon, who else? Any other superstars? Uh, Chris Godwin. Um, this one just comes down to data as well. I, I mean, Godwin's obviously great, but Antonio Brown has missed three games. Um, those have been some of Godwin's best performances, his highest, second highest, and fourth highest fantasy scoring performances. Uh, his target per route run rate drops by 17% when sharing the field with Antonio Brown. Um, obviously, AB is still in a walking boot, so we don't know when he's going to be back, but I would expect him to be back sooner rather than later. Um, Godwin's been targeted on 18.9% of his routes in games that AB has played, and that's like below LaVisca Chenault and Tyler Boyd. It's it's just above Miko Hardman, Kendrick Bourne, Marcus Callaway. Um, and his target per route run rates 
the Bucks run way more routes than anyone else. So their their target per route target per route run rates can be a little bit lower and they can still get away with it because they pass so much. But still, like that is just not good. When he's shared the field with A B, it's had a significant impact on him. Um, and especially when you consider that his average depth of target is just eight point four yards, he needs to be targeted at a higher rate um if he's gonna be a top 12 top 15 receiver so i've got him at wide receiver 17 rest of season i think if you can get um top 12 top 15 receiver value after the past couple of games you know he's paced through his bye week um he's got some matchups coming out that are kind of exciting so if you can sell him for that type of value i think you do it um but obviously yeah. you don't want to just sell him blindly i put evans on my list for the same reason mm-hmm. and i look at evans and he, he does have what's his schedule he's got uh new orleans he's got buffalo and new orleans later this year so you know, he, he can kind of struggle sometimes against number one cornerbacks, the, the elite ones. But it's funny, Bruce Arians said that, he said that Mike Evans owned Marshawn Lattimore in week eight. Evans had, what did he have, like 50 yards and a touchdown or something? Uh, and he never owns Marshawn Lattimore. He said that he was open right. a bunch, but Brady was just fixated on Chris Godwin, and that's why Evans didn't have a good game. But the, you know... I brought it up going into okay. the game. He's had one game against the Saints in the last four and a half seasons now with more than 12 PPR fantasy points. But that's only one game. No, it's, it is the Antonio Brown factor. I wonder, though, if um, Tom Brady is a sell high in the sense that his, he's got a his touchdown rate is outrageously high. He's amazing. I still think he's probably the number one quarterback. But I wish Lamar Jackson hadn't had such a good game because I think... You trade Brady, you get Lamar Jackson and a useful piece, you know? A really good, like, it'd have to be like Robert Woods or better. Um, but I mean, I think the way Lamar Jackson's being used right now, I'm not saying he'll be better than 2019, but I think his upside is as high as it has ever been. And I think it's the best case scenario for him is as good as anybody in fantasy. Yeah. Right and I completely agree. I mean, it's just a perfect scenario for Jackson. And he just had bad touchdown luck first half of the year. I don't want Brady to, to be Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray from last year or Russell Wilson the year before. I don't think he will be because of the nature of the Bucks, but the mm-hmm. circumstances have been pretty good. I mean, just the amount of times that they've been at the one or the two-yard line and he throws the ball to Evans in the end zone or something. Um, yeah. I What I'm saying is if you have Brady, and this is coming from the guy who said in week three or something that he wouldn't trade Brady for Barkley. If you have Brady... Which, yeah, right. Which, right, I was killed for, but you have to get... Dak Prescott or something like that and something. But yeah. you, know, you could consider doing that. Or you could just sit tight and, and <laughs> keeping Brady's not a bad idea. Uh, I want to give one I, I want to get your thoughts on the Niners because I think I think <clears throat> the fact that they're they are three and five now, I believe. Trey Lance is coming. I don't think that Garoppolo can give you three consistently good guys in the passing game, even though their defense kind of sucks this year and they're probably gonna throw more than ever under Shanahan or, you know, they're going to throw a lot more than we expected. Um, I don't think I'm just terrified of Kittle, I guess in particular with Trey Lance. Like I would trade Kittle in the same analogy that I was making with Brady and, you know, Herbert or Jackson or something Kittle for Goddard and a really good player. Yeah. That's the thing is like Goddard needs to be by far the worst player in that deal for me to do that. I don't know. I'm really nervous about Kittle. He's been pretty See, I think up it, and down I think this it could year. Be a, I think it could be a great, uh, well, not great fit, but I think like if we're talking about a situation where they like run a lot of uh, RPOs, which I think they probably would, given Kyle Shanahan's history. They, they do generally anyway. 
uh, Kittle is well situated, I think, to be very good. And th- this is one thing about the 49ers offense is they're, they've got so many good playmakers with the ball in their hands. But George Kittle, I don't know, between him and Debo Samuel, it's a real tough battle for who's the best with the ball in their hands. George Kittle is kind of on a different planet at tight end when it comes to yards after catch. And so I think he can still thrive in that offense. I think the volume will be lower, but I think with Trey Lance, I think the passing game will be worse. And I'm, I'm worried about whether Brandon Ayuk, who I really like moving forward and Debo Samuel can both be really good Kittle. I'm less worried about just because anytime he's been on the field, no matter what combination, what permutation of those guys has been with him, he's pretty much been awesome all the time. It's just, yeah. it's mostly. Yeah, injuries. but right. So, okay, then, then because Debo and Ayuk were not good, you know, when they were all playing together, Kittle was. Mm-hmm. I, bottom line is, I didn't think at the beginning of the year that they could get three really good players from this passing offense, considering nobody's mm-hmm. ever had more than five touchdown catches in the Shanahan era. Um, and Ayuk's finally showing up. I would sell high on him, by the way. Debo has been so damn good that it's hard for me to get away. I don't know. Who is the one guy that you think would have the most that, that would be the best player to trade out of Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk? Or would you just sit tight? Jacob, I'm going it's to you not, first. All right. Oh, sorry. Jacob, why don't you give your answer first? Um, the best player to sell out of the three pass catchers in San Fran uh-huh. is the question. I think I would choose Debo, but um I think I, it has to be. Yeah. Um, so Debo, like one interesting metric that I look at is first down targets. Um, it just gives a clear indication of like who the first read is most often. Um, and he's been at the very top of the league, like above 40%. That dropped to 29% last week. George Kittle was at 35%. So like we just, we saw him right away coming and kind of cut into those type of targets. Um, he was also mm-hmm. used in motion a little bit less likely Debo uh, than a little bit less often than, than usual. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's who it would be. I think, I think Kittle, eats into his role a little bit more than he does Ayuk's. And I think we have seen some encouraging things from Ayuk lately, and it's possible um, that it will really benefit him to uh, have someone who is more willing to throw downfield. Um, that's, he's been like far, far more efficient on his downfield routes, like compared to league average than he has on short routes, Ayuk, um, throughout his career. Um, but it just hasn't really mattered because he hasn't had very many downfield routes. Um, or targets yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. when playing with Garoppolo. All right, finish so. it up, Chris. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to just perception. There are a lot of yeah. people, like we mentioned with Joe Mixon earlier, there are a lot of people who are done with Brandon Ayuk, who are just fed up. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who are like, yes, Brandon Ayuk. I think a yeah. lot of people view George Kittle the same way. I think George Kittle's very much in that he can't stay healthy category, and that hurts a player's perceived value. I think Debo Samuel is probably the one who has the fewest perceived marks against him which is going to help his perceived trade value. He's also arguably the best one. The best one of the the three so far this season as well, which certainly helps. Yeah, I think you're you're trading him closer to peak value. All right, that's it for today's show. It was a good one. Um, thank you to Jacob and Chris. We will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. And please uh, hit subscribe. Please like the video. And check out Fantasy Football Today in 5. Chris Towers and Dan Schneier are going to break down Monday Night Football for you later in the week. Uh, myself and Dave Richard will give you some buy lows and sell highs, some player props. It's great stuff. Please check that show out and have a great day, everybody. Enjoy Monday Night Football.